And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Uh, a lot to get to today. I'm actually on vacation in Myrtle Beach, uh, staring out at the ocean right now. Uh, yeah, it's been good. Been relaxing so far. Uh, it's always good to take a break. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still doing the podcast today for you guys. Not going to leave you hanging. Um, and I will be joined in a minute by uh, my friend Greg Price from Lone Conservative. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, migrant caravan and... and uh, all kinds of stuff. Lots, lots of stuff to get to. If I'm a little scatterbrained, it's because I'm kind of cramming for the show. I haven't really been paying attention to the world of politics this week, um, but I, I'm trying to pull it together for you guys uh, here today. Um, yeah, before I get to uh, my chat with Greg, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at 1776 United. 1776 United is the absolute best conservative apparel company company anywhere in the country. They are tremendous. All their stuff is super high quality. It fits great. I'm wearing some of their gear right now. It is really, really great stuff. Um, all their uh, designs are super patriotic. They're very creative. Um, they have a, a great design team over there. They have uh, any, anything you need for both men and women, um, all kinds of tanks, shirts, hoodies, hats. Um, they have other stuff too, not just apparel. But check them out over at 1776united.com. That is 1776united.com. And make sure to use the promo code gimmicks. Once again, that is the promo code gimmicks for 15% off of your order. I also want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and you want to quit or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. All their stuff is delicious. They have any kind of battery, mod, tank, coil, anything you need for your vape setup, they have. If you're in Northwest Ohio, they have physical stores in Holland and Perrysburg, Ohio. Uh, If not, uh, you can check them out at PremierVaporAndLounge.com. That is PremierVaporAndLounge.com. They will give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. And if you haven't already, guys, Please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to get involved, uh, you can hit us up over on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the Podcast. You can contribute monthly over there, and there's cool incentives if you choose to do so. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be joined uh, in just a second by Greg Price. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my friend Greg Price from Lone Conservative. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time, brother. Good to be back with you, Brady. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, the, the biggest news of the week, um, and that is the, the situation on the southern border with this migrant caravan. Um, look, just just generally speaking, border control and immigration policy is extremely complicated and nuanced, but both sides of the political world, like they do on so many issues, have made— you know, the issue of border security, this binary choice, this binary monolithic thing, you know, like when you yeah. see the debate about the border and especially regarding this migrant caravan, we're forced to pick between two monolithic platforms. On one side, it's build a 3000 mile long wall on the southern border, close the border, don't let anybody in. And then the other side, it's open borders, let everybody in, let them vote, <laughs> let them do whatever they want. And like both of those those platforms are, are ridiculous. Uh, and unrealistic, but it just drives me crazy that we can't even have a real conversation about border policy. 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not good because like these are, this is an actual thing that actually affects Americans in a very significant way, whether it's people that actually live in border states and have to deal with things like drug and human trafficking and things of that nature, or whether it's, uh, you know, whether, whether it's employers, immigration is an issue that affects everybody. So the, the tribalism that comes from both the left and the right and the right when it comes to border security is absolutely ridiculous. And I was, I was critical of, of President Trump in the run-up to the midterms because I thought he was focusing on the caravan way too much. I thought he was right. making it out to be like a bigger issue than it really was. And I thought it, was, it wasn't a particularly strong issue to close on in the election campaign. But yeah, as it turns it out, it was hurt. Yeah, it, it certainly hurt uh, the Republicans, especially in uh, the Arizona Senate race. I mean, I have to imagine that was a, a big part of why uh, Kristen Sinema is the, is the new senator from Arizona. Yeah, exactly. And but 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 as it turns out, he was right. The caravan was a bigger problem than right. people than people gave it credit for. And as we saw on Sunday, people were storming the border. They were throwing rocks at border patrol agents. And that that yeah, that's a. And the left can pretend that that's not a problem, but it is a problem, and it, and it needs to be addressed. Because right. Our, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, I was even just going back to you know 2015, 2016. I was critical of of Trump. You know, now President Trump's. Uh, you know, ideas on, on border control. I, I mean, I don't think it's financially responsible to, to try to build a 3,000-mile-long wall on the southern border. I mean, that would cost, what, you know, 20, 20 billion or something like that, some astronomical, yeah. astronomical price tag. But, you know, since both sides are they're trying to make us choose between two extreme positions, it's like, well, I guess if I have to choose, you know, building a wall or open borders— I mean, I guess I, you have to fall on the side of President Trump because the other side is, is even more extreme. And I hate that both sides kind of they, they force us into choosing one of these monoliths instead of actually, you know, articulating ways that we can come together and, and make compromises. Like we're looking at another government shutdown over border funding. You know, the, President Trump wants five billion. The Democrats want to give him one point six billion you know, neither side is willing to, to budge. You know, it's like, why can't they just agree on $3 billion? You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, like, they can't do it, though. I mean, both of their bases would lose their minds if they compromised, And uh, which I don't care about a government shutdown. I mean, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the, the argument is just ridiculous, and neither side's willing to budge, and I just don't understand. I don't know where we go from here. Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, I was having a conversation about this with my professor the other day who moderates debates, in up here in Connecticut. And he told me that, you know, he's, he's been asking questions about immigration since 2006 and still nothing's ever been done nothing. on the issue. Congress has not passed significant immigration reform, I think since the late eighties. And, and it's, it's just a, it's a symptom of the pure tribalism and the divisiveness that we see in our politics today, where even if one side is saying something that's merited, like when Republicans say, yeah, there we have a problem with our southern with our southern border. We need to be we need to be able to control it. And the left and the left will just come back and say, "Oh, well you just don't want, you know, you just don't want people from Latin American countries to come here." And we're like, "No, we do, but they need to do it the right way and we need to be able to control the people that we're bringing in here." Right. And yeah. now that you did see violence from this caravan and there's there's something like there's over 6,000 people in uh Tijuana, Mexico alone. And that number is gonna gonna swell to somewhere between ten and twelve thousand. And you're you're right. How the the Democrats were were 
I mean, they look really bad, uh, the way they, they handled this situation over the last month or so. It was only three weeks ago that famously Jim Acosta <laughs> of CNN was yelling at, at, at in, in the press room at the White House about how this caravan's not a big deal, not that many people are even going to show up, and they're it's all women and kids. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to be violent or anything. And then, yeah, you know, two days ago you see hundreds <laughs> of men storming the border, uh, overwhelming a checkpoint and throwing rocks at ICE agents. Uh, you have to think the left being so wrong about this will backfire. Yeah, I think it will. And I think it will in a pretty significant way because even, even after we saw all these videos of these people trying to climb over the border and people throwing rocks and doing other things of that nature, you had people on the left like Joaquin Castro and people, people on CNN saying that, Oh, we're, we're criticizing the border patrol agents for using tear gas. And they ignore the fact that tear gas was, has been used to defend our to defend the border since the Bush administration it happened under Obama, and it's nothing new. So they can they they continually move the goalposts when it comes to these issue when it comes to the issue of the border, and they're going to continue to, and it's going to backfire because at the end of the day, border if we don't have a secure border, it's going to affect Americans in a very significant way, like like it did with the border patrol agent Brian Terry back during Fast and Furious. Right. So. Right. And I, I, I don't think the American people as a whole trust the Democrats when it comes to securing our border. So I think the more that they double down on the open borders rhetoric, the more it's going to affect them when it comes 2020. Right. Yeah, because, I totally I totally agree. Because, and it's 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 so it's, it's fascinating too that how far to the left the Democrats have gone on, on border issues, um, you know, flying in the face of, of even their own constituents. There's a very small percentage of Americans that want open borders, that want to, to let these caravans just, just come across the border unchecked. I mean, it's I haven't seen any polling data, but I, it's something around 20% or something like that want want open borders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just watching all these Democratic politicians advocate for that. It's it, it's strange. It's it's a very strange hill to die on when you're, you're going up against not only yeah. your, your political opponents, but the vast majority of Americans. Yeah, I'll tell you, if there's one issue that really propelled Donald Trump to the presidency, it was the issue of illegal immigration and the issue of border security. I think that resonated with so many people who were sick of the open borders rhetoric from the Democrats. And even when it comes to the caravan, like uh, Chris, I don't know if you saw this, but the DHS secretary, Kristen Sinema, came out the other day and said that even if they had done it the right way, she said about only 10 percent of the people in this caravan would have been eligible for asylum in the United States of America. Right. Right. Yeah. So, it's asylum is, you know, you can only obtain asylum through very specific for very specific reasons. And also, yeah. I believe um, you, you have to to apply for asylum. You have to ask for asylum in the first country that you make it to. Right. So if if a, yeah. if, if a Mexican is claiming uh, that that they need asylum and they come to a, a border checkpoint uh, in the United States, they're eligible. But to these people from El Salvador uh, or Central America that that came through Mexico, you know they refused asylum in Mexico, so they're not, they're disqualified from obtaining asylum in the United States in the first place. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too familiar with how uh, the process works, but but yeah, I mean if you're gonna come if you're seeking asylum, you have to you go to a port of entry and you fill out the paperwork. You don't throw rocks at border patrol agents and you don't try to hop over the border. Right. I'm pretty sure I don't think that's how that works. Right. So, um, you know, so far, 
you know, there has been a, a troop buildup on the southern border. It, it looks like they have contained the situation. So, um, and at least so far, it doesn't appear that anybody was seriously hurt um, on either side. So, I mean, thank God for that. But, uh, yeah. you know, obviously, this is an ongoing situation that we're going to be talking about for weeks, maybe months. Um, but let's let's move on to a, a little bit cheerier of a topic, I suppose. <laughs> or not, I don't know. But uh, over the weekend, uh, Twitter uh, banned um, conservative radio host uh, Jesse Kelly, who's, by the way, definitely follow him on Twitter because he's, he's hilarious. But uh, uh, mm-hmm. they, they told him it was a permanent ban and that he couldn't appeal the decision. Uh, yesterday, they last night, they reinstated Jesse's account after huge backlash from uh, not just conservatives, but people all over the, the, the political spectrum. And, uh, you know, Twitter backed down and let Jesse back on. I, I just think Twitter was testing us, man. <laughs> like, they knew that Jesse Kelly didn't do anything wrong or break any of, of Twitter's uh, policies or anything like that. They just wanted to see if they could get away with banning a conservative for no reason. Like, it was this was a warning shot. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to this. Twitter needs to decide whether they want to be seen as a platform or whether they want to be seen as a publisher. And if they're smart, which, they're, which they'll probably choose the latter, they'll choose to be a platform. But if they choose to be a publisher, then that makes them liable for all the content that gets posted on Twitter. So, and that opens them up to all, to countless lawsuits of, cause you can imagine the types of things that people post on Twitter. But what really struck me about this whole Jesse Kelly situation is that they didn't even give him a reason for why they banned him. Nope. They just banned, they banned him and they sent him an email saying, oh, you're banned you can't appeal the decision. And while they're banning Jesse, and I've had my disagreements with Jesse Kelly, but, it, but he's not of course. some, he's not, he's not like an Alex Jones or Richard Spencer person he's a he's a conservative he has his views and he's he's a pretty funny cocky bastard as well and people love him for that (laughs) but but it's it's just amazing that they'll ban jesse kelly for absolutely no reason but louis farrakhan gets to call jews termites and he still has a twitter account israel hourglass which is an anti-semitic um group that advocates for the destruction of israel they're allowed to have a twitter account linda sarsour still can can have a twitter account all these people can still have Twitter accounts, but it's only but with Twitter, it only goes one way when it comes to the, the type of speech that they permit on their platform. Right. I mean, there's there's a plethora of anti-Semitism and racism and, you know, Twitter is a wretched hive of scum and villainy, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. But going after Jesse Kelly seems a little bit ridiculous. And you, you really hit the nail on the head, too, that, you know, I don't understand why Twitter would even flirt with defining themselves as a publisher. Like you said, I mean, they, they would open themselves up to <laughs> billions of lawsuits, you know, slander suits, libel suits. Anytime somebody lies on Twitter, like any, anytime somebody tweets something yeah. disparaging somebody uh, and, you know, th- that isn't factual, you'd open yourself up as Twitter to a lawsuit. They couldn't afford it. I mean, it would bankrupt their company in minutes. So just the fact that they would even flirt with that it seems like just malpractice in, in the business world. It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, they'd be opening themselves up to just oh, destruction. I mean, they would never survive. They wouldn't survive a day. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm telling you, Twitter go, keeps going down this road of banning people for like, – like they ban – uh, my friend Alex Sears, who's the vice president of Lone right. Conservative, and they banned, <laughs> right. they banned and they suspended Michael Knowles for for tweeting <laughs> for a, a dad joke. joke. A dad joke. 
yeah, so, I mean, that's yeah, the, they, that's they the just... oldest. That's the oldest like lame joke. Like yeah. both both sides do it. Like you know, re- Republicans and Democrats. You know, Republicans say, oh, you know, vote on Tuesday. Democrats, your day to vote is Wednesday. And then Democrats say that's the oldest like dad joke in the book, and they banned yeah. Alex for a week or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, gosh. yeah, and they suspended suspended Michael Knowles because Michael Knowles put it in his made made his name vote November seventh. <laughs> Man. I, I mean, look, I, I've never, I was a shadow band for a little while. Like nobody could see my tweets for like a week or something. And they, uh, they took down a couple of my tweets for absolutely no reason. Uh, but they haven't banned me yet. And you know, I feel a little bad. I'm like, what, what's a guy got to do to get banned around here? I mean, I'm offensive. <laughs> what the hell, yeah. man? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I expect to get banned from Twitter any day at this point because Twitter Twitter is, is starting to go off the rails. And if, if they continue, like them and Facebook, Facebook's been the same exact way. And if they continue with this, they're going, it's not going to be, it's not going to end well for either of their organizations because what, what's going to happen are two things. Either people are just going to stop using Twitter. Conservatives in, in general are just going to stop using Twitter or they're just going to keep banning speech. And the, and their companies are just going to get a bad rap from the general public for it. So it's right. it, yeah. I, I so like I understand that these companies are run by partisan Democrats, people on the left. Like that's fine, but it's not a good business model when that comes out in your business. Right. Your, that, that's the most fascinating part to me. Like, yeah, we all know, you know, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. We know he's a leftist. We know the most people that live in Silicon Valley, you know, all these that work for these tech giants, most of them, you know, are on the left. And I mean, that's just it, everybody knows that there's nothing wrong with that. They can have their opinions. Who cares? But it's always fascinating when companies, these big corporations will choose political activism over their own profits. Like it's a, it's such a strange thing that happens in our country. And I, I, I've never understood it. You know, I mean, I, I don't get why they believe alienating half the country is, is good practice. Like that, that makes absolutely no sense. And then also uh, another thing that makes no sense, you know, choosing activism over profits is that there's unfortunately, and obviously guys like us completely disagree with this, but there are plenty of people on both sides of the political spectrum that are eager, that are willing and ready to get the government involved in social media and to start regulating social media like a utility. Obviously, I hope that I pray that never happens, but like that would destroy the profits of companies like Twitter if that happens <laughs> to be regulated by the government. So why would they even risk it? Like, why would they risk like that would be catastrophic for their bottom line? Like, why are they even going down this road? Like, I, I, I cannot even put myself in their perspective to think that's a good idea. Yeah, it's not at all. And it's a terrible idea to start regulating social media companies. That would be a disaster because well, what's because Twitter and Facebook and other uh, social media platforms, they've, they've created great things with this. Like Twitter is an amazing thing. Like you can get all the news of the day just by scrolling through Twitter. And I would hate to see them ruin it. And I would hate I would even hate more to see this the, as a small government uh, capitalist myself. I would hate to see the government start to regulate these companies because I think uh, the first amendment is too important. And I, and I, I just would hate to see that happen because of how, what do you make of of so many people on our side, you know, people that are, uh, you know, free market guys, you know, small government, free market conservatives advocating openly for the government to regulate Twitter and Facebook and these companies. I mean, I get it. Like they, they, 
they're tired of getting their ass kicked, right? They're tired of, you know, being yeah. singled out. Like, you know, this kind of censorship does only happen to one side, and it's our side. So I, I, I get it, like, wanting to fight back against that somehow. But I, and I've been insulted by a lot of these people. They seem to be like the, the hardcore Trump train types, right? That are, you know, it's not fair. We need to regulate it. I don't know, yeah. man. No, regulations, one, never work out. Like, it's just not good for the market. And then, two, you know, the Democrats will eventually take power again so do you really want to hand a regulation of of like you know the flow of information over over to the democrats that doesn't seem very wise to me what do you i mean i'm sure you know some of these people people that you know we both respect people that have been on the show that are openly advocating for that um and they've even argued with me and said i'm an idiot for not agreeing with them like it's so strange What, what do you make of what do you make of that yeah i mean i think it's just a reaction to twitter doing what they've been doing. And I think they're just lost in their, in their partisan bent. Um, but yeah, you're right. That would be a, it would be a terrible idea. Like the, the main principle that I try to, that, that I've learned since I've been following and getting, being involved in politics is that, um, when, when, when you have somebody like George W. Bush, who he was a conservative, but he didn't govern as a small government person in any sense of, in, in most senses of the word. Right. Um, but and this is something my dad told me, but, you know, he, he was happy to have George W. Bush do all these things because he liked George W. Bush. And then when Obama came in and then did all of the same exact things, my, my dad hated it. My dad hated it. So what I get from that is the best the best solution, no matter what, what the situation is, is just get the government out of it. Don't let the Democrats, don't let the Republicans touch it. And the same and the, and the principle applies here to Twitter. Even if Twitter is doing things you cannot like, it is a terrible idea have the government start regulating what Twitter can and cannot do. Because at some point, the Democrats are going to be back in the White House, and we all know they're, they're going to do the same exact thing, and it would be even worse. So um, that's that's basically what I would say to people on the right who are, who call, who are calling on Donald Trump to start regulating these social media companies. It's, 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 not, it's not a good idea at all. Right, and I, I just don't understand that the thing that I can't wrap my head around is why uh, a lot of these people on the right that are calling for this can't read the writing on the wall. Like that would backfire yeah. so bad. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. it, it, they're so caught up in the moment that they can't, you know, they can't see, you know, a foot in front of their face. It's like, guys, that, that will bite you in the ass. Like that will harm the conservative movement more than, more than the left in a matter of a few years, yeah. probably. That's just cause that's what always happens with government regulation. So, I mean, I hope people yeah. kind of return to, you know, free market principles, founding principles. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And if Twitter, uh, Honestly, like I know it's, it may sound it may sound crazy, but like if Twitter continues down this road, there's nothing that's stopping like conservatives from starting our own social media platform. Right. Like, that's, I'll tell you that what. Would, that, like would I, be, that would. I checked out Gab for the first time the other day. Sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to get this in there. I checked yeah, no, out please. Gab for the first time. I didn't really know much about Gab. I, they market themselves as like the you know the platform of free speech. They don't edit or censor anything. Uh, and I just went on. I was I was going to sign up for an account. I'm like, you know, after they banned Twitter, banned Jesse Kelly, I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know how long I'm going to be on Twitter. <laughs> they might ban me next. And it was a whole bunch of racists. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I did, what oh did I God. stumble? It's all these like it was a, just a cesspool of like racism and bigotry and stuff. It's like these dumbass kids. They're like, oh, there's this site that I can post whatever I want. We're going to just say the most offensive shit we can think of. It was gross. I was like, all right, I don't know what I just stumbled on right now, but I'm going to click the X at the top and get the hell out of here. So, yeah, like we need to find some balance. Like I'm all about like not censoring anybody. And like 
bigots should be allowed to say whatever they want. I don't care. You don't have to listen to them. Just ignore them. But, like, yeah, like, uh, uh, it seems like a, a platform like Gab has just kind of devolved into, like, exclusively offensive stuff. Like, just for the sake of, okay, they're not going to take it down, so I'm just going to be as offensive as possible. So it's like, that yeah. can't happen. Like, yeah, we do it, need another platform, a social media it, platform that doesn't censor people, but people got to remember to be a decent human being as well. And not just because you can, it doesn't mean you should, you know, as my mother would tell me when I was three years old. So like, we kind of have to find a balance here. Yeah, absolutely. Like we can't, we can't have, we can't have it be like yik yak. And we also can't be censoring Twitter and Twitter people in the way that Twitter is. So, I mean, I don't don't know. We'll, We'll see. Like maybe in the future, there'll be another tech startup that, is less as impactful on the things you can say as the, the folks that run Twitter, that Twitter yeah, are. I yeah. hope I hope so. That'd be great. And I hope, yeah. and even if not, I hope Twitter realizes that this is not this is not going to end well for them if they keep censoring people on the right and not censoring extremists on the left like Louis Farrakhan and all right. the. And, and for Twitter, even and even like, like Jack Dorsey, if you're listening, the answer is free market capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just. Be be a selfish businessman that wants to make more billions of dollars, okay? And that'll and, that'll lead you down the path of free market capitalism. You'll stop getting in your own way. You're, you'll stop stepping on your own dick, and you, you will, you know, create a, a, a platform, <laughs> you know, where people can speak freely. I mean, because that's how Twitter's going to make the most money. Alienating people is not going to do it. But all right, Greg, yeah. thanks so much. You you came on on short notice. I had another guest bail, and uh, but I am on vacation. I got to hit the bar. So I gotta <laughs> let you go. Where can everybody find you online and read your stuff and keep in touch and all that good stuff? Yeah, Twitter, Greg, uh, Greg underscore Price Eleven for, for now. It's, it's, obviously, you know. was it, what was that? I said for now. I mean, you know, your days are probably numbered, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. So Greg, Greg underscore Price Eleven on Twitter, G Price one two three four on Instagram. You can check out my author page on Lone Conservative. I'll be getting more stuff out there. Um, if Patrick Hoff is listening, tell him to make me a columnist. <laughs> do it <laughs> listen to this man hey everybody follow greg he's great read his stuff uh check out the lone conservative it is a great site uh and uh i'll definitely have greg on again soon uh, to do a longer episode i know is a little abbreviated here today but uh that's all i got for today i'm brady leonard i will be back on monday no gimmicks um.